Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Creative Pep Talk Podcast, and this is me, Andy J. Miller, your host, uh, design-esque illustrator, and this is a show for visual artists who um, work in commercial fields, and, you know, it's just different perspectives and thoughts to maybe help enable uh, some some kind of mental uh, breakthrough in your in your approach to your work. Um, so, I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. All right, I like to confess things on here. You know, I get, I have a, uh, this weird thing where I, 
I don't filter who it is I'm like listening to if I'm interested in them. I just, you know, I don't think is this cool or good or whatever. I I like to, I don't know, I go down the rabbit hole, which I'm sure you guys all do on the internet sometimes, and um, somehow I ended up watching um, Oprah, <laughs> Oprah interviewing Pharrell, and um, I, I think it's because I heard that he like broke down and, and cried his eyes out, and I don't know why that's interesting, but it sounds interesting, and it might be so interesting that you're going to go <laughs> watch that, but uh, you know, yeah, so it was a pretty good interview actually, And uh, <clears throat> but the thing that stuck out to me the most is that he talks a lot about how, um, you know, he spent a lot of time, uh, doing produ- production and, and writing for other people and other artists and being kind of the, the guy behind the scenes to a certain degree or the guy on the side. And, um, and that at some point, uh, after doing all this work that he, he had done a solo album and he said that when he did that solo album, that it was very much, uh, you know, braggy and all this stuff and that he you know he was he was friends with Jay-Z and P Diddy and he wanted to do what they were doing and he wanted to be like them and and that really stood out to me because I think that um that I don't think that there's anything wrong with it I just think that there's a time and place for that there's a time and a place to emulate um, but if you if you never get past that season in your work, um, your work never really breathes. It never really uh, goes anywhere. It never really speaks to anybody. And, you know, I think the good news is the more work you do, the more that naturally happens. The bad news is uh, that, A, developing an authentic kind of voice in your work, uh, that, that A... It takes a lot of time. And then B, it is fairly painful, I think. Um, and it does, I actually don't know if it's super, uh, like a thing that just n- completely naturally happens. I think that actually there's a lot of intention behind it. I think it's a lot of time uh, alone uh, making bad work, making bad stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I'm really grateful that you know, after college, uh, that I spent time, that I got fed up with the, the, the work that I was doing, the, the stuff that didn't feel like my own voice 100%. And you know what? I just started filling up sketchbooks and I started, um, just making tons and tons of work and, and actually just thinking a lot about who I was, what things emotionally really grabbed me and moved me and, um, you know, dove deeper into all of these things. I think that, um, I think the thing about commercial art, uh, maybe the biggest myth is that it's because it's commercial, it, that it, that it, that, um, it's less, uh, uh, that it's art that's less deep or less personal. And I think that, um, when you approach any type of art that way, uh, it becomes inauthentic, and inauthentic art is dead on the page, and it doesn't it doesn't speak to you. And just because you're doing it for a client doesn't mean that the work doesn't need to speak. Um, and so, yeah, I thought a lot about that, and I thought 
you know, he talked about how later when he made his second album that was a, a big success and there was, you know, all kind of compo- all kinds of components to that, um, that he that he had had a sense of who he was and what his purpose was and how that differed from the people that he was around or his friends. And I really thought a lot about um, how, you know, how I really believe that every person has a very, very different path to every other person. And um, there comes a time when you have to quit wanting what other people have and quit wanting the success or the accolades that someone else has or the, um, you know, there comes a time when you need to stop going down that avenue, stop comparing yourself to someone else, stop, you know, explicitly following the footsteps of your heroes and and, and do something uncomfortable and do something unique, do something that, um, you don't know if other people are think are going to think is cool because you haven't seen other people do it. Um, those things, you know, early on, I feel like I was pretty aware of, uh, the moments when I was, you know, I did, uh, that Nod project where I was going to make 260 characters, I was going to make one every weekday for a year. And, uh, and I was going to write under it about these characters. And the writing thing to me was the weird thing. I thought, here I am, you know, I've, uh, you know, I'm working in professional illustration um, and I'm going to start writing these things under these characters and I'm going to start developing this kind of make-believe universe. And, uh, even though there's comics and stuff out there, I didn't know anybody that was doing that. And I didn't know if it would just not translate into the, uh, industry that I was in, if anybody would care or if by putting myself, um, and my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions and my, and expressing myself through that writing combined with these characters, um, whether, I don't know, that would, you know, hurt my reputation more than it would help it. And then I think, you know, it was, it's been, and even this podcast is the same thing. Like, um, it's something uncomfortable that, you know, I've seen other people in other industries do similar things where they're not doing interview podcasts, but they're just, um, kind of, uh, putting different thoughts on their own out there in kind of a monologue kind of thing. And, um, but I hadn't seen someone do this in our, our industry. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's once you start learning, uh, to notice that you're feeling those ways, you start to pick up on this thing is unique to me. Uh, this is something that other people aren't doing. Instead of making that, um, instead of those things making me want to run and hide and not do those things, it, it mean to me it starts uh, piquing my interest and in thinking, okay, this is the exact type of thing that I need to be doing. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm going back to this and thinking about, uh, you know, work that people get. What's that all about? What's a, what's it about um, when a, when a piece of work speaks to somebody in a strong way, in a way that um, makes people want to show other people the work, that makes people want to react to it, want, makes people want to to buy it, to 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 use it. Um, what kind of work is that? And I think you know, I think a lot about. Um, I feel like all the people that I know that do successful illustration um, or successful commercial artists, they talk about an experience or, or uh, of digging deeper within themselves, um, becoming setting themselves apart in in a unique way, and having a voice and having uh, a perspective, and um, 
I I think that the the thing that's that really uh, screws us up is that the idea of commercial art um, somehow in our minds, even if we want to do commercial art, somehow in our minds we we accept this idea that doing commercial art means doing uh, less personal art. It means doing something with less of your perspective in it. It means um, being an art factory. And actually, I think, um, you know, I've heard artists talk about how when when a client comes to them and they get all this pressure to perform and, and produce something that fits within the bounds of advertising or editorial illustration, um... Or, or a logo or whatever and, and, and actually the times they start learning that the times that this goes well is when they do the same thing that they would do for themselves that they would that the work looks the same as if they produce it themselves and, and the reason why is because that's what they're coming to you for that's what they're paying for they're paying for your art your thing who you are um, they're not paying you hopefully to do what someone else is doing if they are those aren't the good jobs um, and so, yeah, the, this is kind of, um, this is something I've been thinking about, thinking about, you know, asking yourself in what ways, um, am I trying to live someone else's, uh, life? You know, uh, one thing that, uh, I think Pharrell said on there is that he said that if you're trying to be Jay-Z, you're always going to be second place. And I've always thought that, too. Um, You know, if you're trying to be someone else, you're always going to be second to them because they're them. So you're always going to be, you know, playing second fiddle or whatever. So I think that it's really valuable early on. I do really believe in the idea of the whole, uh, you know, mentoring, master, teaching, emulation, like, Emulating people early on, I think, is a really big deal, and it's a really positive thing. And I wish that our culture uh, support supported that better. Um, you know, I wish there was a kind of uh, a more socially acceptable time in your career at art school or whatever, where you are copying people and you're learning the crafts and you're. Because I feel like once you get that stuff under the way, then the good stuff starts to come. Once you start knowing how to develop an image. Um, that's when it starts to get, um, that's when you, when you, when you have all these tools under your belt, that's when you actually get to say something now, um, and, and your own, uh, inadequacies aren't kind of getting in the way of being able to talk about something with your work. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I feel like a really good practice is to sit and think, you know, in what ways, Am I, you know, trying to emulate someone else? In what ways, uh, what projects have been uh, kind of sitting in the back burner that I'm a little bit afraid to do because I don't have any, you know, I don't see anybody else out there doing that. And I don't have anything, there's nothing I've seen out there that's justified doing this project. You know, and these are the things these are the these are the projects that you need to run to you need to run to the place where you're going to be alone uh in 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 the industry and um you know i i think that really embracing the idea that that um 
that there's no one that's ever going to have the same career as you, uh, and, and there's no one that ever has. And I think uh, being being comfortable in that uncomfortable place uh, is so key to finding your your true art and what your real voice and your real perspective. Um, and what do I think that looks like practically? For me, what it looked like was um, research and development, research and development. And so what I did was I, I made a giant catalog of all the things that really moved me. Not th- I tried to think about not the things that I thought were cool. I tried to eliminate that idea. I tried to focus on what were the things that uniquely moved me, like actually struck a strong emotion in me. You know, looking back at my childhood, uh, Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz, those were two things that really struck a chord with me. Um, and the funny thing is, is at the time, I'm not even, if you would have asked me as a, as a six-year-old or something, or however old I was, I don't know, um, did you, do you like those movies? I might have even said no. But I would have told you they make me feel really weird. They had a, I remember those two movies more than anything else warranted this strong response. And, and, and the only way to describe it is it made me feel like there was something else going on behind what these movies were. And there definitely are. Those stories are about other things than what the stories are, are on the surface level. And, and that became something I wanted to do in my work when I'd kind of realized that. Uh, even Dr. Seuss, I felt like, had that. You know, he had a lot of hidden characters, um, you know, hiding behind things and, and that. And I realized hiding in a sense of like, I'm looking at something, but there's something behind what I'm looking at that I'm unsure about, that I don't understand. But it gives me a sense of kind of wonder, uh, a sense of sense of uh, I don't almost a little bit off-putting, like, uh, and that was something I I noticed that thing about myself, and I thought I'm going to put that in my work. And then I researched back further, and I tried to pinpoint things that just what were the visceral experiences. Another one was Charlie Brown. I remember watching Charlie Brown Christmas, and uh, I remember as a kid it being one of the first things that I encountered, first types of media that I encountered that, um, that had kind of melancholy in its spectrum. And it spoke to me because I think I, you know, I was kind of a, I had a, a sad side to me as a kid. Um, you know, I, I've talked on, on the, on the podcast before that, um, that my mom had left when I was a kid and that, um, you know, I think that that left, there was a part of me that was kind of sad. And I remember watching um, Charlie Brown Christmas and it has that sad jazz music and Charlie Brown's depressed. And I remember just that melancholy just being so comforting. And actually that's something I wanted to bring into my work. So what I did was I made a playlist uh, um, with a bunch of different songs that were kind of the soundtrack um, to my work, and a lot of them were that melancholy thing, and I thought, how do I translate that into visual art? And it was a long process, still is a process. I'm still learning how to do that. How do I do something that um, seems simple? Maybe in, in a lot of ways, that's why I think it appeals to kids, but there's a lot of deeper emotions and, and, and deeper things happening there, or hidden things um, that, you know, it, and so I tried to research. Um, my past, and then research what are the things now when I, you know, 
what's the last time I watched a movie or a TV show or something and I was holding back tears, you know, um, that happens every once in a while. And I, I started thinking about what were those moments? Um, what were the moments when I was just feeling so inspired and excited about, um, making art or, uh, about life? What were those moments? And then pinpointing all these things and then also understanding what was my development as a person. So I started thinking about all these things that made, um, made me unique or that were, were strong to me. And I started thinking about how do you put those individual art and, and that the birth of, uh, uh, that was the Nod Project. That was an experiment in how do I take all these things that are who I am and I and they influence uh, my my work. And if you want to look at the Nod Project, uh, go to my website and towards the bottom there's a big green uh, smushy looking guy. And if you click that, that'll lead you to the Nod Project. Um, and 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 so I did all that research, and the Nod Project was kind of the development of that. And, you know, I continue to do that over and over. And I think until you, that's the main thing that I I think this podcast episode is about is denying the myth that be, that attaching commercial to the word art means that you have to make, um, impersonal art just because you're getting paid or just because it's, it's for, uh, uh, an audience or, or, or for a company. Um, I think it's actually the opposite that the people that have a perspective and a voice, those are the people whose art, um, really shines in the commercial marketplace. And you know what? Some people are uncomfortable with selling that kind of stuff. And I'm not, I don't have any, um, discomfort in that. It doesn't bother me. Um, I actually love the idea that, uh, some of these characters I developed for these personal things and have these very personal meetings would go on and be and live in a magazine, um, for an article, um, that's maybe not completely related, but then, uh, that stuff is like now that work, you know, when I did, I did a piece for, um, Google's book, uh, they do like a, must be quarterly. It's called Think Quarterly Book, and it had all these all my characters in it. And I felt like this article now, feel, the the work, the 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 picture has all this depth there, and it's not explicit. You know that personal voice and perspective. It doesn't have you know that perspective doesn't mean that your your work has to be politi- political. For me, at least, that work meant that when you looked at that image, it didn't look like it was just an image about um, cell phones. It looked like um, there was all kinds of things going on. It's that same kind of uh, Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz feeling like I'm watching this story and I'm hearing the words, but what's this stuff that's happening beneath the surface? Like, what is this really about? And I felt like that's, I started to, to kind of have those moments happen in my, in my uh, commercial work. Um, and I think that's what makes it compelling. That's what makes someone else want to see something new from you and see what you would do with um, uh, something else. And so I hope I hope this helps. I hope uh, I hope this episode um, inspires you to dig deeper into what you're already doing. Even if you've already dug pretty deep, um, I think you can always uh, go deeper into the uh, old subconscious. Um, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Keep sharing it. Keep uh, keep enjoying it. Um, I'll speak to you soon.